This episode of The Minimalists is brought to you by nobody, because advertisements suck. The Minimalists. <laughs> Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Minimalist Podcast, where we discuss what it means to live a meaningful life with less. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And I'm Ryan Nicodemus, and together we are the Minimalists. We are here with the godfather of minimalism. The all-star of minimalism. Oh, my God. I was just thinking about when, when I first saw you, I'm like, Man, Leo, I, we started like 10 years ago, and you were one of the first people that we had lunch with and kind of talked about oh, what yeah. we were doing in, uh, yeah, in San Francisco at uh, Samovar. That's right. I'm, yeah. I have some Samovar tea right now. Yeah. 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 Shout out to Samovar. Uh, Jesse over there. He was in our, our documentary that you were also in yeah. as well. Jesse's one of my best friends. Uh, yeah. he's, he's, yeah. he's the best. I, I, I really, really enjoy him. I really enjoy you. I'm grateful you're here. I am astonished. That we have never had Leo on the podcast. I know. Yeah, I know. He finally said yes slipping. to us. I know. I, I think I've just been scared to have him on because yeah. he, he's going to outshine us. I know. That's true. Those yeah. are the best I, guests. I do though. that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> when the guests can carry it for us, it makes it so much easier. So yeah, you guys can actually go now. I'm, I'm, I got this. <laughs> Minimalism. <laughs> he's going to like uh, get rid of Sean and Jordan along yeah. the way. Oh, well, man. So, so um, I got to say this, Leo, and and. You're okay with taking compliments here, but you're sure. you're literally the coolest person I know. <laughs> That's speaking more to the quality of people you know. But yeah. <laughs> sure, no. I'll take it. Well, I, I, mean, I agree with that. It's I, it's like it's hard to be around Leo and not be relaxed. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So, so, That's a great compliment. Yeah. Leo, let's start by we were first introduced to you. So I was first introduced to minimalism eleven years ago. Okay. Colin Wright. Someone had oh, retweeted yeah. a video of his. Uh, my good friend Colin now, but at the time I had no idea who he was. And I saw this guy who owned 52 items. And yeah. I, it was kind of admirable, but I'm like, I don't want to do this. I have a house and I have a couch and I have a coffee table. And all these things can't fit into an overhead bin on an airplane. But all of Colin's things, they just fit in his uh, little bag and he traveled the world. And that was cool, but I didn't want to mimic that lifestyle. But sure. fr from Colin, I, I saw these different people who lived more normal lives, like Joshua mm -hmm. Becker, Courtney Carver, but he also introduced me to your work. And then I see this guy, he's a minimalist. Mm -hmm. And probably the most minimalist of these people I'm looking at, but he has six kids. Right. <laughs> he even decluttered the condoms. He threw them away. <laughs> You were just said in that lineup, with you, this whole time. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I tried to declutter them, but my wife wasn't having it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we actually got rid of a, a couple of them out of our house now. Oh, so yeah. We're, we're slowly. That, that's a. That's the last thing that we are downsizing. <laughs> take some time to let go. Yeah. yeah. Talk about taking time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, do you want me to speak to to being a minimalist with six kids? Yeah, I'd, I'd love yeah. to at least touch on that. So I mean, first of all. Our, our kids, we had them before we decided to become minimalists. So we were maximalists at the time. Right. We were deeply in debt. We um, we just had a kind of crazy, like cluttered lifestyle. And that was a different kind of lifetime. And we started changing. And so 
that we we run up against like we have a big family right like how do you downsize and simplify with a big family and I actually found that first of all it was like a challenge like okay how do you it's like this mental puzzle right how do you simplify with that many people in your house and then I saw it as like oh this is opportunity right mm -hmm. so how do we look at this as something that we can really like dive into together and so with six kids, it was an opportunity to teach them about some of the things that I was exploring and to explore it together as a family so we could, you know, kind of like connect on that level. Mm -hmm. um, so I really started to enjoy that. Um, and it didn't have to be about like having, you know, just three things or anything like that. Yeah. <laughs> but it was more like what was important to us as a family to, and to each of us and how do we work with having different preferences, which as you can imagine, well, I know you, you have a wife and kid. Mm -hmm. So that, that like um, becomes a negotiation or like a way of like relating to each other. Yeah. Um, we can't just like take someone else's stuff and throw it out, <laughs> give it to goodwill or anything like that. You have to kind of have a conversation. Sorry, about kids. That. Dad's a minimalist. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it actually became really rich ground for us to explore together. Yeah. It's awesome. And, and I find yeah. that the, you know, the communication is obviously key, mm -hmm. but it did start with you. You, you um, I think, uh, 20, 2009 to, or 2007 maybe is when Zen Habits Dot .net started January 2007. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Dot .net. That's right. Wow. <laughs> um, and and so people can obviously go and find over a decade of archives there. And uh, I was exposed to your work there because I think it kind of started as this productivity and habits website where you mm. were writing about your own journey, right. trying to make some changes in your life. Can you talk about some of those initial changes early in, in 2007 that yeah. you started writing about? Yeah, actually January 2007 was already more than a year after, into my journey of changing my life. So it really started, I believe, November 18, 2005, oh, okay. when I, um, I was in a, I w we were living in Guam. We had five kids and one on the way. So she was about to give birth uh, in a few months. Mm. And um, I was a smoker. I was uh, much heavier than I am now. I was sedentary. I was a procrastinator. I was deeply in debt. And I could list like a whole bunch of other things mm. that I was really unhappy with. And the worst thing was I felt like stuck, like I couldn't change anything. And I just couldn't figure this out. And I knew there's some, I, there was a way to do it. So like I decided I'm just going to do one of the many things I was trying to change all at once. Yeah. I'm just going to pick one. And it turned out to be smoking. Mm. And my quit date, I, I said it like two weeks in advance, was November 18. Did and you smoke so, like three packs of cigarettes leading up to <laughs> yeah, that day? <laughs> leading up to that, I <laughs> smoked packs a day. <laughs> everything that I had. Um, but it was like, the, the reason for that was I had been just quitting like, okay, I'm going to quit today, like as if it was no big deal. Mm. And then it would be like, you know, like almost like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take out the trash today, you know? Mm. So, um, so instead I was like, I'm going to make this a big deal, something that I'm really committed to and build my way up to that. Yeah. So all the way up to that, I actually started to figure out what the different triggers were that caused me to smoke mm -hmm. and feeling the urges and looking at like what was rewarding about it, why did I need it? And so I started to really look at that and then I actually quit on that date and I actually made it stick this time and I had failed seven times before that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that was the start of the journey. I, I started running, I couldn't run for 10 minutes by December 2006, right before I started Zen Habits, I ran my first marathon. Wow. So, yeah, it was, uh, I changed my whole, my diet, um, became a vegetarian, now I'm a vegan. Um, I started simplifying my life, we started decluttering, we started getting rid of debt and on our way to like paying all that off. 
um, uh, waking earlier, you know, writing when I hadn't been writing for years. So all, everything changed. And so Zen Habits was not the start of it. It was like a celebration of that. And I actually, one of my first posts was like, 2006 was an awesome year. <laughs> and I shared like all the things I'd been doing. And then this is what I want 2007 to be. And so it was like uh, committing to continual change and reporting on that and then learning from people who I was connecting with through the blog. Man, that's just reminding yeah. me like how inspiring it was because that's where I was at, man. I mean, massive amounts of debt, uh, way worse habits than smoking. I wish smoking was the only bad habit <laughs> I had picked up. But um, yeah, it's truly inspiring, man. Like just to see you be able to pull out of that. I mean, it's certainly what inspired me to to, to, to change. Definitely, man. Yeah. Really appreciate it. And, and I, there were people who were inspiring me to change too. I, I was reading blogs and, and authors and reading about these kinds of journeys as well. And so I knew the power of that. And I knew like I had to do that in return just to kind of give back because the next Leo who was stuck in his life was going to be out there. And maybe it was Ryan. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny because people ask me like, you know, who, who do you look up to for inspiration? And I bring you up a lot because it truly was like the precipice of uh, or the impetus, the be whatever, the beginning of my journey. <laughs> sure, <yeah. laughs> um, so who, who were the people you looked up to back then? Yeah, I had, well, um, do you guys know J.D. Roth? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get Rich Slowly was his oh, blog. Yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, so okay. it was it was about getting out of debt, but really doing it in a very, like, not trying to, like, get rich quickly kind of idea. So I, I really appreciated his humility and... Um, just really this kind of like common sense, but like do things one step at a time, change your habits. And um, so that was an inspiration. There were others as well. I can't remember now. There were there were definitely lots of fitness inspirations that I was looking at. Yeah. Um, I remember like Oprah ran her first marathon at the time. And I was like, man, if Oprah can do it, I can do it. Right. I love <laughs> like, it. Yeah. I mean, not that there's anything wrong with her doing it. She was that was definitely an inspiration. But I was like, mm. man, like she can do it. And she was really struggling with a lot of stuff. And so like, I'm struggling, like, why not? Right. Mm. Um, and so there were there were a number of inspirations like that for simplicity. Um, I didn't think of it as minimalism at the time because that term wasn't really a thing. Sure. Um, but for simplifying your life, there was this author from the 90s named uh, Elaine St. James. Mm -hmm. you, you guys know, know yeah, who she is? She is. Yeah. yeah. So she had these little books and it was like 100 ways to simplify your life. And so I'd read through those and I was like, oh, man, that's amazing. Yeah. So and then, of course, like going back to like um, Thoreau and like Walden, that mm -hmm. kind of like living the really simple life and yeah. then like, um you know, Taoism uh, and things like that were also inspirations in Zen. Sure. Obviously was a big one for me. Right, <laughs> yeah. right. So, yeah. We're, we're going to touch cool. on all of that. In fact, I, awesome. I, I also want to talk about, I want to get into the granular details of mm -hmm. the journey and also moving around. You've moved a lot. You went from Guam to San Francisco to Davis to back to Guam to yeah. San Diego to LA. And there's probably other places that I missed in, in between. Yeah. And I want to talk about all of that. We'll probably get to that on the maximum. I also want to talk about how you move with eight people in your family or more. We can also talk about the more part. Um, and But we are a audience-driven show, so I figured maybe we could help some folks like you've helped us. So maybe we could help some folks uh, with their questions here. I would love that. We'll start with Giselle in New York City. I was wondering if you guys have any advice for a 21-year-old who's been minimizing for a year now. I reached a point where I'm content because everything I own or possess really does bring me joy. Um, we live in a tiny New York apartment since I was born, and beginning the journey, I realized how much stuff has accumulated since my born day, and I mean, even before that. 
There's quite a number of family in the apartment, and I was hoping on some advice that would help me introduce minimalism to the rest of my family. So, Leo, we have a 21-year-old here. I think you are a father of, uh, well, you've been a father of several 21-year-olds at right. this point, right? Four now. Okay. Wow. Yeah, wow. Wow, man. It's uh, incredible. It's hard for a guy adults. who's 35 to have 21 years. Yeah, right? <laughs> I started very young. <laughs> <laughs> so, so um, uh, Giselle is you know, struggling, but, but also asking the right questions, it feels like. Sure. She's also wanting to inspire the people around her. It seems like she has changed her mindset, changed her habits. But now she's asking, like, how do I continue to do that because I have too much stuff still or the house in general has too much stuff but also the people around me um, I see they're struggling as well how do I help inspire them yeah there's definitely a lot to dive into there I think the first thing is just celebrate how much she has been doing a whole year is worth mm. of simplifying is like incredible and we can yeah. always look at like how much is left as like oh there's still so much more but like a year of doing that is really something to celebrate and really to see what she's learned from that, what she's able to let go of and what really worked. And then to start to apply that going forward. That's always worked mm -hmm. for me is like, okay, what worked with quitting smoking that I can now apply to running, yeah. right? And so I just keep applying those lessons over and over. And mm -hmm. maybe what didn't work as well so you don't carry that forward. Yeah. yeah. And then like the next one is um, looking at what you're kind of stuck with because there's you know sh i heard her say like everything i have gives me joy right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which i'm like that's amazing like why do you want to get rid of it then right there right. must be yes. a reason yeah. um and it, but i'm what also hearing is like it's it's too much it's really kind of overwhelming me mm. is probably where she's coming from and so it can't actually all be giving you joy and like you know being too much for you and, and overwhelming you so yeah. um i think there's probably an opportunity to find the things that give you the most joy and really to say like if I had a life that only had this stuff like okay I'd have to let go of some things that do give me joy but this is actually would give me more joy to have more space in my life for these things mm -hmm. um, and it's not just about things but those would be kind of like an example of something to look at um, and so then why what if she was going to do that and say okay I, these things would um, making space for these things would give me even more joy and letting go of these things would give me that space. What's, what's stopping her from getting rid of those things is mm. what I would look at. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And there's usually some kind of like emotional attachment and I actually find that harder to work with, but actually much more rewarding if you can like learn to work with the emotional attachments of like, ah, oh, this is my grandmother's thing or, you know, something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, mm. Or like, I'm going to read this stack of books that go to the ceiling, right? <laughs> um, like, of course you are. Yeah. Um, you haven't yet. But um, I mean, that's that's the story I tell myself is like, I'm, I'm definitely going to get to all these books and I haven't read a book in the last six months. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so I would just look at the attachments that she's having and those are really rewarding things. Um, and then the other thing, and I, you know, I'm sure you guys could give some amazing answers to these too. I'd love to hear your perspectives. But um, around... Other people, something that I've really found is it's really hard when you think like I can just go in there and change their lives because you can see all of the all the answers you have like mm. you have the way to fix them. Right. Um, and that, of course, you guys know this never works. Right. <laughs> like everyone's going to be like, stop trying to get rid of my stuff and right. like try stop trying to tell me what to do and stop judging me for having too much stuff. And then like we just stopped talking to each other because we haven't we're like, <laughs> Oh, this is like too frustrating. Yeah. Um, and so 
I, I learned the hard way of trying that many, many times that that doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. And so for me, what always works is, first of all, inspiring, which you guys spoke to earlier. Mm -hmm. um, if you can show your journey and talk about, you know, how that's um, really benefiting your life and how much you're loving it, it really kind of opens the door for people to be like, huh, maybe I should try that. Yeah. And if you can do it in a non-judgmental way where they're not like, trying to defend themselves mm. you know what mm. i mean like ah oh, like she's she's trying to show me how her life is better than mine right. and how i should be doing this too is really kind of like the subtext of whatever she's sharing on instagram right <laughs> yeah. like i think definitely share on instagram but see if you can do it in a way that is not judging others but really just celebrating uh what you're really loving about this and even in a vulnerable way like oh this was so hard to get rid of this um, and like sharing that this is not just all like amazing stuff, but actually, yeah. you know, it's it's a struggle, but a really rich one. Yeah. If, it, if it was, you know, I think that's a problem. We often confuse simplicity with easy, and also sure. the 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 joy part you were talking about. If you're overwhelmed with joy, it's probably not joy. It's a static pleasure. Like mm. like sure. you, you're getting some sort of in momentary. Like, yeah, all these things bring me pleasure. That doesn't mean they all bring you joy. That's and, a good point. and I think we need to be able to distinguish that because yes, any of your things has the ability to potentially give you pleasure that's not a good enough reason to hold on to it because if it's getting in the way it's actually doing the opposite of bringing you joy yeah. sure you know uh if josh would have came to me and said hey ryan you need to be a minimalist you need to get rid of your <laughs> new cars you need to sell your condo and you need to simplify i probably would have said exactly what what you were talking about when you tried to force minimalism on others are like why are you i would be like why are you telling me this why are you judging me right. what if why I are you at gunpoint right exactly <laughs> <laughs> you don't have the guts to pull that trigger Give me your stuff. <laughs> i would actually like to see that movie <laughs> <laughs> so, become a minimalist now yeah. or else joshua fields milburn is the minimizer the <laughs> Oh man, I, it makes me think of the New Yorker cartoon where did you see this where the uh, the dude was like tied to the chair and like all these robbers were like carrying out the very last thing and <laughs> one of the robbers looks over and he's like, "This is your chance to restart your life. Don't screw it up." Oh nice. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah, usually get robbers like that. There's yeah. a silver lining in all of this, and I totally agree with what you're saying about the attachment, and and I think that is the key here and then also not being judgmental ryan and i will often we often say this phrase you can't change the people around you but you can change the people around you mm -hmm. <laughs> meaning you, you can't you, you can't force someone to change you can demonstrate what changes you've made and they may or may not be applicable to them it's okay to be surrounded by people who have different preferences different hobbies different beliefs in fact that makes life really rich right. i think the key is like ryan and i are radically different different politically mm -hmm. different religiously like uh, spiritually we, we're different we have different personalities you should see all the crystals josh has <laughs> <laughs> it's crystal meth oh. <laughs> that's, we're getting that's where you get all that energy well, i'm so hyped up right now <laughs> right um these are not real teeth. Uh, so, no, but we have similar values. And so the thing I'm going to tell Giselle here is uh, what's nice about having different people in your life, it brings passion and excitement and joy to your life to have mm. different people. But they, you probably want similar values. Values are the destination. The beliefs are the sort of different paths you take to get there. So Leo and I might have the same values. We might take different paths to get there. Sure. And, and, and 
think about that when you're thinking about the people around you. Respect, appreciate, don't mm -hmm. just tolerate, but appreciate the beliefs that they have that might be different from yours. Mm -hmm. And then appreciate that you have similar values to them. And if you don't have similar values to them, well, then that's a different conversation. Uh, I would encourage you actually to check out, we have a values worksheet on our website, theminimalists.com slash V. You can download it for free. And uh, there's an essay there where we sort of walk you through the four different types of values. And Giselle, I think what that'll help you identify is what your values are, and that will help you figure out whether or not those values align with the people around you. Yeah. Let's walk to another question here with Krista from Wisconsin. I'm a minimalist already, and I've already removed most of the excess stuff from my life. Um, I also have OCD though, and I'm at a point where rather than living better with less, I'm living to minimalize. Uh, that is, I feel driven to get rid of everything. Um, with OCD, I am driven to take things to extremes, so my to-do list as it currently stands will not be complete until essentially I'm living out of a backpack. Um, but this is not logically possible for me. I've got a husband and daughter and a wonderful little 800-square-foot house but I now have this never-ending task to get rid of more things. I mean, we can do cartwheels in my living room, and half of my kitchen cabinets are already empty, and I am receiving professional treatment for my disorder. Do you have any suggestions or thoughts on how to know when to stop getting rid of things? So, Leo, I have OCD, like, legitimately. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, and um, it's it sounds actually rather similar to Krista's. OCD, not in the sense that because I, I know I know some people who have OCD where they have to touch a door handle three mm -hmm. times before they can open it. Thankfully, I'm not burdened by that, but I do count a lot of things. Like I know there are 44 steps between uh, in the parking garage from where my car is to the wow. yeah, and so like I, I don't do that intentionally, but then sure. by the end of it, I'm like, oh, what that was 44. Oh, wow. um, and uh, it, I will tell you this: it it is maybe a slight struggle, but it's not an extreme burden on, on my life. Sure. In fact, in many ways, it makes life better uh, in yeah. some ways. Um, but... Well, dude, your house is beautiful. Thank you. Because of the OCD nature. <laughs> right. it's like I go to his house and I'm like, now this is what a minimalist house should look like. <laughs> like it's Everything's nice and crisp and clean. But for me to do that, it would be so much work but for you it's like it's excessive it's, for you it's not excessive for me exactly yeah. now leo the thing the, the phrase that stood out to me with krista's question here she talked about she wasn't minimalizing to live a better life she felt like she was living to minimize yeah. let's talk about that man actually i'd love to hear your perspective uh because it's something that i think you would uh really relate well to um but i i can relate to it uh to to you know within my experience is um yeah, sometimes the, so it's actually great to examine our reasons. I love that she's doing that. Mm -hmm. um, and so like, yeah, am I doing this to like share something on, you know, social media so that I can like look like a minimalist mm -hmm. and like really glamorous or something like that. And so just looking at that, and that's not to make that wrong or like that something's wrong with you for wanting to look good to others, right? Like we all do. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not about like making ourselves wrong, but just really looking at like, where is this coming from, this need to minimalize? Mm. So for me, often it's like, ah, I, I can't deal with overwhelm. And so that's, that's really hard for me. And so simplifying really allowed me to have the breathing space, but it also allowed me to not have to face overwhelm and to work with that. So now I'm... I'm kind of shifting into that, like, okay, I got rid of everything and got some space, but 
Actually, I would like to be powerful for me not to have to run from overwhelm. Mm. Um, and now, then, can I, can I ask you about that? Because yeah. uh, uh, to my recollection, my recollection, you are a pretty extreme minimalist. Mm-hmm. On uh, even though maybe not everyone in your family is, right. and, and Krista's in a similar situation here. She's like, "Hey, I could live out of a backpack, but the rest of my family couldn't." And w- my response to that is, "Well, it actually sounds a lot like Leo. I think he could live <laughs> out of a backpack. Actually, probably he could live out of a fanny pack." <laughs> um, and I remember, I, I remember reading some stuff uh, early on where you were like washing your clothes in the sink as as a sort of a mindfulness exercise, right? A- and uh, th- there are different things you've done where you sort of temporarily deprive yourself, not for the sake of deprivation, but to see what is truly valuable. Right. And, and, and living more intentionally through through that space? Yeah, so I'm, it, for me, it's always just like experiments in life, you know, like learning, a learning process. So if, I, if I'm trying to like live this way, I'm like, oh, what would it be like to like have to wash my clothes or to, you know, wear, you know, go barefoot for a while. And so like I, I did those things. Yeah. And it's not because I think that's the only way or that like this is going to make my life so much better, but it's just like, you know, what what's getting in the way of that? Maybe there's something there to look at. Um, so I'm always kind of examining that. And like I said, the overwhelm was one of them. We're like, why am I running away from overwhelm? Is there something there? Mm. Um, and so, yeah, it's, for me, it's always just like about examining that. And by the way, I know you've kind of made some references to like how how little I have. It's not like that anymore th- these days. <laughs> okay. uh, I'm not like, that. I'm not a, yeah, yeah. I'm not a hoarder, um, but uh, it's, it's not quite to the extremes that I, I went to yeah. like maybe a decade ago. Yeah, it's the same for yeah. me, but it's also different because when I first embraced minimalism, you know, my mom died, my marriage ended in the same month and sure. I'm, I, I'm, I'm was living a different life from what I am now. I, I, I didn't have a wife or a kid. And, and so as your life changes, the things that are appropriate for your life changes. Right. right? And so it sounds to me like a decade ago, what was appropriate is different from what's maybe appropriate now. Yeah, so like we we moved to Davis and uh, from San Francisco, mm-hmm. and everyone there rides bikes, and we didn't have any bikes, and so we got bikes and some things to fix the bikes. Yeah. So like now we have like a garage that had like a you know bunch of bikes in it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so like I I have no regrets about that. I actually think it's amazing. Yeah. Of course. Um, but it's definitely not does it's not going to look minimalist. You know, you have a bunch of helmets and you have a bunch of other things. Yeah. Um, and that's just one example. Um, I got into trail running and I was training for. An ultra marathon so i got a bunch of trail run, running stuff mm. probably way less than most trail runners do uh-huh. but still it was like it, it added to my life and then i got into like ultralight um, backpacking where i would go out for um you know a couple of days just with a very light backpack and almost no nothing in it right mm-hmm, yeah. and um just a bunch of macadamia nuts and quinoa <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly as little as possible i'm like oh what would it be like to go out into wilderness which i was kind of afraid of like when I go out into wilderness, my first instinct is to like have a bunch of stuff to protect me right. yeah. so that I, I don't die. Right. Right. <laughs> and that's a very real concern. But it's like, oh, can I find a way to address all of those fears, um, you know, in other ways without stuff? And so it was a, it was another experiment. But what it meant was I was on Amazon buying stuff mm-hmm. and I'm like, am I really minimalist now? I'm like, who cares? Like, <laughs> I really want to like you know, go into this area and explore it. So sure. I didn't want to yeah. hold myself back just because of some ideal that I had. But there's also a couple, knowing yeah. you. Yeah, I was just say there's a couple of really good lessons here for Chris. The one is, is that, you know, minimalism isn't this destination. It's a tool that right. we use to really figure out 
uh, how we can be ourselves. And that's really like what I just heard you say is you found out over the years how to really be yourself, how to be the most genuine version of yourself. And that's really what I would recommend uh, Christy to do here is not get to this mindset of, oh, if I just get to the backpack, yeah. then I'm going to be happy. Because I would posit that if I snapped my fingers and made it so she could live her life out of a backpack, there would probably be something else there mm-hmm. that she would have to address. Yeah. Well, yeah. I would imagine, and you could probably speak to this, that she might not feel like she's making that choice like it feels like something that she has to do yeah um so Mm. it's not like she's like oh i really this is an ideal that she chooses to have but it's more like she started down this thing and now she just has she feels like she has to keep going i think i think that's true with most of us though like probably all of us like especially when we're caught up in the status quo you know if you're working uh nine to five cubicle job this is what i have to do right Mm. now it's great if that is bringing you satisfaction and joy and fulfillment wonderful uh if you feel like you have to do anything though i would probably start questioning that well i was just speaking to like the kind of the ocd no i know i know but so especially with the ocd whenever i feel like i have to do something Uh have you ever seen the movie matchstick men no, oh yeah yeah so it's uh it's, it's the, the the main character movie. has ocd and there's a point where i'm I've, I've watched it with my wife before and like he's at home like cleaning the bottom of the chairs with a with a toothbrush mm-hmm. and like everyone looks at that like it's crazy i look at that like oh maybe i should do that <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think about why haven't i been doing that so how do you how do you work with it when you have like this kind of you, you start to tighten on to an idea of something you think you have to do. Anytime I feel like I must do something, I, I question the must. Right. And, and because uh, you realize, and I learned this from you early on, is you're complete in an empty room, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so like any activity that I need to do, anything that I need to acquire, better amplify and enha- or enhance my experience of life. And what I'm learning from you right now is you know, this gear that you're getting for any of these these activities that you're interested in currently. What I know about you and your life is if you're like, you know what, I hate trail running, mm. you're not going to hold on to the gear. You're going right. to let go of it. Or right. if you're like, hey, you know what, that served me really well, but I think I'm done with this now. Mm. Uh, you're not going to continue to cling to the thing that's, that's no right. longer serving a purpose in your life. Yeah, that's right. yeah. Now, with, with her, it, it, there is a, a clinical term. It's a, a type of OCD called Spartanism. Are okay. you familiar with this? No. So it's, uh, you're familiar with what hoarders are. Sure. Um, that's one side of the OCD continuum. Okay. The other side of the OCD continuum is Spartanism. So uh, hoarding means I can't let go of anything. Right. Spartanism means I can't hold on to anything. Mm. Now, it usually starts with the stuff, but the same way that hoarding ruins other aspects of our life, Spartanism, people, they, I know a, a person who suffers from Spartanism and he sabotaged every relationship that he had. Mm. Um, he he couldn't, I mean, eventually he ended up homeless because he couldn't, he, he couldn't even deal with having a place to live. Mm. He forsook his family because he, he had to let go of everything. He felt like he holding on to anything was was not sustainable for sure. him. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, if, you, if you're feeling like that, I would encourage you to get professional help sure. from it someone. sounds like she is. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. Now, it, it doesn't seem to me like, like you've, you've gone that far and it's just stuff right now. And if you're living to minimize, then, then what we need to replace the minimizing with because Ryan said it's not a destination; it's a it, it is the the path, so to mm. speak, right toward something more meaningful. You need to figure yeah. out what is meaningful to you, Krista. Yeah. One thing I want to throw out there too for Krista, uh, it does sound like she's seeking professional help, and I have had to get professional help many times in my life. 
and the easy part is showing up and talking to that person but the hardest mm. part is doing the work that they're right. asking you to do mm. so yeah. Krista uh, if you're doing the work that this professional is asking you to do you are you are so much more likely to change your perspective and, and to change your habits doesn't mean that the feeling won't be there but you'll certainly be able to deal with it better so I'm just encouraging her to like do the work well and can I ask uh, add one last thing for, for her sure. um, is one practice that's really helped me is compassion for myself. Mm. Um, and so like a lot of times when I'm struggling with one of these things that we've mentioned, like overwhelm or like, you know, frustration with family members. And for her, it sounds like she's struggling with like, I, I just really need to like, there's a, like a tightness here of needing to get rid of her stuff mm. um, to the point where it's not really helping her. Right. Um, just giving herself compassion. And this is a, like a heart practice that you can do. If you look up, uh, if you haven't done this before, look up Metta meditation, M-E-T-T-A. It's a loving kindness meditation and you can do it for others. Like I wish you, you know, the best and the end of your suffering and mm -hmm. love and happiness, but you can do it for yourself too. And just really seeing where you're suffering and mm -hmm. this is really hard for you and just giving yourself compassion. And I think that once you start to do that, Maybe the practice to take on uh, besides that is like a, a loosening practice because mm. she really has a, a tightening kind of tendency. And for some people, it's like, oh, I'm just going to have all this stuff. And they need to like get a little tighter yeah. and more like rigorous. Uh -huh. And for her, rigor is already the thing. And she needs like love and like a little bit of loosening. Mm. And so it's like we, we go, to, go to one side or the other and we have to kind of like make these course adjustments and come towards the middle yeah. between that like loose and loose like love space which some mm. people are always in and like too much rigor and then it's like how do you find the, the middle ground there yeah it's not a, it's yeah. Not a fixed state and, and I think right. what we need to realize in fact we even use that term I need to fix my life mm. right no life is not fixed <laughs> it, it is constantly expanding, growing, contracting. You know, th there are different chapters throughout your life. And right now you're at a place where you're like, okay, I've minimized, I've made room for a more meaningful life. What do I fill it with now? So Krista, let me send you a copy of our book. Uh, it's our first book we ever wrote back in uh, 2011. Although this is a new edition is just a few years old. It's called Minimalism, Live a Meaningful Life. And uh, Ryan and I, we figured out for us, there were five sort of core values we need to fill our life with once we, or they're actually foundational values, once we got rid of the excess stuff in our life. It's like, okay, now this is feeling empty. What do I fill, fill it with? Mm. Now for me, the longest time it was, I'll just fill it with more stuff, new stuff, better stuff, bigger <laughs> stuff, more expensive stuff. Mm. But we already knew that didn't work for us, sure. right? And so I didn't want to make the same mistake. And so we identified these five foundational values of your health, relationships, growth, contribution, creativity, passion, and, and really figuring out what was important to us. You know, you could say prioritizing our lives in a different way. And so if you like our podcast, you'll like the audiobook version of Minimalism, Live a Meaningful Life. Or if you want the book book or the ebook version, I'm happy to send those to you as well, Krista. Ryan. What time is it? You know what time it is. It is time for our lightning round where we answer your text messages. You can text your questions and comments to 937-202-4654. Yes, indeed. Those texts go to both of our phones and we reply to as many people as we can and even respond to some on the podcast. Now, Leo, during the lightning round, this is where Ryan and I and our guest, <laughs> we do our best to answer questions with a short, shareable, less than 140 mm. character response. Okay. <laughs> but no not pressure. Really. We actually just, we ramble on a little bit and then we, we podcast Sean, find something 
something pithy that he can tweeze out, yeah. put in the show notes so people can copy and share our pithy answers on social media. We have a question from Cheyenne. Can you discuss how we should approach the leap between decluttering and simplifying to live a meaningful life or a life with purpose? Yeah, yeah. so so Leo, let's talk about this. Uh, the leap between decluttering and simplifying, so we'll just call it decluttering, uh, to living a life with purpose. So we kind of touched on that a moment ago because I think here's, here's something that's confusing for folks. They think, well, minimalism, I'm just gonna get rid of my stuff mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden it's perpetual bliss. Mm. Sure. That, uh, I'm gonna live a manic life of, of always 10 out of 10 happiness, contentment, <laughs> joy, pleasure. And uh, my, that's not my experience, at least. Yeah, you already have over 140 characters, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> no, Sean's a good editor. We're yeah. good. Okay. <laughs> I have something pithy for you, but I just wanted to get your, your thoughts first. Yeah. Um, for me, what happened was I used simplifying and decluttering to clear some space to really start to explore what my purpose was. Mm -hmm. So I didn't, I didn't have that at first. It wasn't clear but I, I had the breathing room now and I can now start to get closer to myself and what, what matters to me. Mm. Let, let, let's talk about what it kind of looked like when you started letting go of some stuff. There's obviously that freeing feeling, you mm. feel lighter. Um, but what, what else did you notice as you, if you, if you tap back to 2005, 2006, 2007, you're letting go of stuff. What, what did you feel in your life? Was there an uncertainty there? Before I started or when I was starting? As you were, as you were letting go, yeah. Yeah. Um, the part that that led me into it or the or the like what what the process felt like as you were letting go of, of excess stuff and you mm -hmm. sort of questioning the things in your life what kind of feelings did you have and did that include any uncertainty i i actually felt incredible liberation mm. <laughs> like it was like so freeing i'm sure you guys can relate to for sure. that uh, at some points but uh yeah i i loved it and i was like oh what else can i get rid of so it was just like this adventure of like oh this and this and like let's clear out the whole you know family room now and mm. uh and then i the other experience the uncertainty that actually came up for me was around my family and they're like whoa 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 <laughs> yeah. let's put the brakes on a little bit right um don't get rid of my stuff and i'm like okay um so let me slow down now and like uh play with that so it was it was uh, the uncertainty um, I really enjoyed the uncertainty of like, what would life be like? So it was a question, what would life be like without all this excess stuff? Mm -hmm. And I, I could like even feel as I was doing it, there was more breathing room for me. Mm. Um, but the uncertainty really was when I started to meet up against my family, yeah. um, which was actually the, like I said, the most rich area. It's easy when you're like a bachelor, as you guys know. Like, yeah, shh, right. All, I, I get to decide, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but when you're not and you're in a relationship, like that's, that's for me, the, where the real uncertainty came up. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've got a pithy answer for you, Ryan. All right. And let, let's see what this, uh, if this comports with yours, uh, conforms with yours. Decluttering won't give you a purpose, but it just might uncover a more meaningful life. Mm. And so that's my, my tweet-worthy version <laughs> of what we're talking about here. Ryan, what do you got for us? That's good. Um, you know, uh, before I read this pithy answer, I do want to say, like, when I first decluttered, so I sold my condo, I got rid of my car payment, I moved into a smaller place, um, got my bills, you know, from like 5000 a month to like 1000 I mean, it was just like really, really simplifying. Mm. And it felt good to be there. But man, when I was alone and when I had all that breathing room, mm. it was uncomfortable. Like, I wish I could just be like, yeah, I simplified my life and now yeah. I'm happy. But it was this process of 
really understanding what it meant to me to live a purpose-filled life, to to live a meaningful life. And uh, what it really turns out to be is, you know, changing the relationships that I had in my life. Like that's really where I kind of started getting ideas on what I wanted to do. So my pithy answer is this, to live a purposeful life, surround yourself with purpose-filled people. And I'll tell you, when I started to hang around people who were living uh, a meaningful life, who, who were simplifying, it was just a great um, batch of recipes to kind of mm-hmm. choose ingredients from. And it helped me to help me to like really choose how to move forward. Yeah, I think there were a lot of you know toxic relationships in both of our lives oh, yeah. early on. I don't know if you experienced any of that, Leo, but w- with us and, and even the ones that weren't toxic, they may have been toxic for us. You know how some people can have uh are allergic to certain foods, right? Sure. Like Ryan can eat a, a, a gluten sandwich and be fine. A bucket of nails. Yeah, and he'll be fine. <laughs> For me, if I, you know, if I eat certain things, it really messes me up. And mm-hmm. and I think the same is true with our relationships. Sometimes it's not that the other person's toxic; it's that the relationship can be toxic. It's just not not working out for mm-hmm. whatever reason. And many of our relationships, I felt early on, especially back in the corporate world, they were birthed out of proximity or convenience, mm-hmm. right? It's like, oh, we happen to work in the same on the same floor in our offices next to each other and, but we didn't share similar values we didn't share similar interests we just had a career that coincided for that period of time but uh, I was spending 90% of my time with people like that and forsaking the people closest to me mm-hmm. as a result mm-hmm. I do want to talk more about uncertainty and this this idea of uncertainty training I think we'll get to that on the maximal episode we have some listener tips and comments coming up here we also have an added value segment which is very Leo focused today, or I think it's Leo adjacent at, at least. Uh, and we have a bunch more surprise questions this week, Leo. Like, what steps do you take to block out the noise to stay focused? How do I identify and address unconscious thoughts and fears that stop me from decluttering? How do I minimize overconsumption of information and misinformation? Mm. We're also going to discuss essentialism, environmentalism, veganism, Buddhism, why you should stop trying to be productive, why you should get rid of your goals being a minimalist with six kids in a big city plus a million more questions for leo babauta and if you want to hear all that subscribe to our maximal episode on the minimalist private podcast it's a completely separate podcast and it's the most honest way for the minimalist to earn an income because we don't believe in ads by the way if uh, you're not a private podcast subscriber you're literally missing two-thirds of our show plus hundreds of hours of past private episodes so try it out for a week or a month you can listen to the back catalog see if it's for you and also listen to our episode with leo this week it's cheaper than a cup of coffee or a cup, cup of, of tea. tea yes yes indeed <laughs> head on over to the slash support to subscribe and get your personal link so that our private podcast plays in your favorite podcast app leo the the maximum episode is really where we we let our hair down so we brought a wig in for you <laughs> 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 ryan what else you got for us this week here are some voicemail comments and tips from our listeners Hi, it's Chris from Barrie, Ontario, Canada. If you guys are looking for a good news source that's unbiased, um, that isn't very full of clutter and garbage and junk, um, I would recommend a podcast called The World Next Week by the Council on Foreign Relations. And uh, it's a very non-biased, uh, great source of just... Um, uh, information on what's going on in the world and uh, I just think it's a great resource and it's very unbiased and uh, anyways I just wanted to leave that little tidbit behind 
Hi, my name is Helen. I'm from Vista, California, and I wanted to respond to something I heard today about medals and trophies. I'm a runner, and I had collected 30 years of all kinds of medals and recently just got rid of all of them. I did donate um, to Medal to Medal. That was one of the resources that was given today. But I also found that teachers were very interested in them, um, trophies as well, because they like to give them out to kids, not necessarily for them to take home, just as a, like, great job staying on task, keep us on your desk for a while, kind of rotating through the classroom. So my teachers that I knew took a ton of them. And I made several more into Christmas tree ornaments because I do still have some of those. Um, and then a tip that I um, heard from somebody else for future is um, when I get a medal at another race, I'm going to take a picture of it and take a picture of myself with the medal, and then I'm going to give it away to somebody else. There's always families there cheering on moms or dads, so maybe a kid who would enjoy it um, so they don't accumulate anymore for me. All right, y'all. Thanks again to Leo Babauta for joining yeah. us today. You're awesome. Leo, man. thank you, brother. <laughs> Thanks for having me. This is fun. Uh, zenhabits.net is the place to be. Uh, you are on Twitter at Zen. I think it's still underscore habits, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Okay, Zen <laughs> underscore habits. The, the, the one without it. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, you can follow Leo there. Um, and also, he has a bunch of courses. Um, we're going to talk more on the Maximal episode about uncertainty training. But if uh, they want to check out your courses, it's all over at zenhabits.net as well. Yeah, look at the bottom. And the, the one that I'm really um, diving into lately is fearless training. Mm. Mm. Okay. Well, I, I what I love about Zen Habits uh, in particular, ZenHabits.net. You also own the .com, but like <laughs> .net's so vin vintage, retro. <laughs> retro. .net's the cooler. It's yeah. the cooler URL now. It's like you got it at some uh, really cool store in like Atwater Village or something, <laughs> right? Or uh, Los Feliz. Yeah. So, um, but what I really like is I feel like Zen Habits is like I mean it's one of the most popular minimalist blogs in the world or simple living blogs, whatever you want to call it. But it's also the simplest mm. <laughs> it, it is perfectly mimetic of what you're trying to communicate yeah. and it's it's beautifully simple it's it's not simplistic it's not but it, it it brushes the line with being as simple as it possibly can but still being effective i've seen some websites that are too simple where you're like i don't is this even a website like why am i even here <laughs> yeah. Your, yours is is incredibly helpful and incredibly simple obviously no ads anything like that but um, bravo for doing this for so long, man. Yeah, yeah. thank you. Yeah. Um, it's it's so rewarding, as you guys know, so I, I don't think I'll ever quit. Yeah. Yes, indeed, man. <laughs> well, we've got an added value segment this week. This is where we talk about something that's been adding value to our lives recently. And since Leo is here, every morning I turn on music uh, when well uh, once the whole family's awake. Mm -hmm. And and so me and Ella and Bex, we, uh, I'll just turn on some music. And it's usually Pandora. For whatever reason, Pandora is still... Talk they, about cool. I know. It's, it's talk about retro. <laughs> We're talking about retro. Cool. I haven't heard that word in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> but um, something about their stations, mm -hmm. they still have, the, they create the best, they have the best algorithm. Mm -hmm. awesome. and anyway, there's a, a Zen Garden uh, radio a playlist that I listen to mm. every morning. And it's so calming. And it's a perfect way to start our days. I used to 
to start the days with a different playlist, but this one, it's oceanic sometimes. It's it it's, it feels like I'm in a spa in the mornings, mm-hmm. and and my daughter loves it. She'll she'll get up on the couch. She'll she'll like perch up on the top of the couch like a cat, <laughs> and look out the window for like half an hour, just listening to the ocean waves oh, or the so flutes playing. It it's amazing. So Sean, if you could please put a link to the Pandora station, uh, Zen Garden Radio is what it's called. And I, I spend the four ninety nine a month on Pandora. This is not an ad for them. Um, I, I but I spend the four ninety nine a month to avoid the advertisements because right. imagine how terrible it would. This is oh how intrusive God. ads are, right? Imagine you're like listening to the ocean. All of a sudden, it's like, hey, have you tried Wendy's new quarter pounder recently? <laughs> are you getting good sleep? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, yeah, check it out. It's the Zen Garden Radio Station on Pandora. Real quick for right here, right now, here's one thing that's going on in the life of the minimalists. We have a minimalist rule book. We don't actually believe there's an actual minimalist rule book, Leo. <laughs> but uh, Ryan and I, over the, the last decade or so, we've accumulated 16 rules for living with less. 16 rules that have helped us. That's and what, awesome. What we've done with this, it's a free uh, ebook, by the way. You can get it on our website, theminimalists.com slash rulebook if you want to check it out. And some of these rules work really well for us, but they're adjustable. Mm. And I, I think I learned this from nice. you early on. Like, even the things that work for you aren't going to work for your kids or your wife. And so the important thing about rules is having them, but not having them be too rigid. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and so uh, the Minimalist Rule Book, 16 Rules for Living with Less. Ryan and I have things like the, we call it the 90-90 rule. If you look at an item and you're like, all right, have I used this in the last 90 days? If so, great. I'm probably still getting value from it. If not, will I use it in the next 90 days? Be honest with yourself. And then if not, I give myself permission to let it go. The 90-90 rule. If that's too extreme, we'll make it the one-year, one-year rule. Like, sure. And I think that's the nice thing about it. Ryan and I also did, it's probably my favorite thing that we've done in a very long time. We did an audiobook version of that. Yeah. Mm. And we did like a little mini podcast for each of the 16 rules. Oh, that's yeah. cool. So that's you can check that out, theminimalists.com slash rulebook and find some rules that you can apply to your own life. You can follow The Minimalist on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Minimalist. Come to one of our live podcast shows. Visit theminimalists.com slash tour to find a city near you. If you have a question, comment, or minimalism tip for our podcast, email a voice memo to podcast at theminimalists.com. You can comment on this episode at youtube.com slash theminimalist. And if you want our show notes in your inbox, sign up for our email list over at theminimalists.com. You'll also receive our simple Sunday emails whenever we send those. And if you leave here today with just one message, we hope it's this. Love people and use things because the opposite never works. Thanks for listening, y'all. We'll see you next time. Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it